Hi, welcome to another edition of Steve's Speed Shop. Steve's Speed Shop is brought to you by WarrantyWise, the UK's best warranty provider. Get a quote from them today at warrantywise.co.uk. We're brought to you by West Coast Motorcycles. They're in the business of pre-loved Harley-Davidson motorcycles. They've been at it for 35 years, and you can find them on Facebook at West Coast Motorcycles. And we're brought to you by Mini Sports. Anything and everything for the classic mini since 1967. I got to know uh, this week's guest, Nick Burnett, through a mutual friend, Max Wakefield, who's been on the show a couple of times. Um, Nick told me when we met a fantastic story about getting arrested in Miami when he went there to sell somebody a Lamborghini because he hadn't reported an accident on his Honda CX-500 10 years previously. Apparently, here's a top tip for all of you visiting Florida. If you have any sort of incident in a motor vehicle, even if it's only you that's involved in it, you're obliged to report that that accident or incident, because it wasn't an accident. He just told me he fell off his bike in first gear going around a corner, got back on it, rode it to the shop where he left it for them to sell, but when he came back 10 years later, they had numerous warrants out for his arrest because he hadn't... Rep- somebody would seen him fall off and reported it. And I thought, right, I knew I was going to get on with this guy. Um, I went to London a couple of weeks ago to be a guest on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Please don't hate me. I've got to earn a living somehow and it's not from this. And I met up with Nick and he said, come back to mine. I bought a new car. I went back there and he bought the... Sultan of Brunei's Maserati Kamsin. And he'd also bought a Porsche Cayenne S for £2,000. And it looked great. <laughs> £2,000. Again, there's a car that's been immortalised uh, in the wider media. Um, but he's a great guest. He's a good mate of mine. He's a car man and a bike man to the core. Nick Burnett. Mate, your car got a hell of a mention on one of Britain's most high-profile news and current affairs programmes last night on the television. Really? Why? Who was that and why was that? I'll tell you why. Um, because when I came down to London to do various things and you and I ended up getting... Doing the thing that British people do in pubs, which is why pubs are probably the best thing that's ever come out of this nation. <laughs> um, and that whiskey that you gave me... How much is it? Yes. Sainsbury's? Can we just give Sainsbury's. a... Sainsbury's. I sent you a picture of it. Remember, I've just... And I've, it cost me 20 quid, man. It's one of the best whiskies money can buy. Well, here's the thing. We've had the best whiskies. I've had... I don't know if you know this. I've had the most expensive whiskey in the world. I didn't know that. What is the most expensive whiskey in the world? Thank you for asking me that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was 75-year-old Macallan. And right. it was when I was um, doing a daily radio show out of here, the world's first, yep. the world's first industrial city, Manchester. Of and um, I saw a clipping. I used to read the papers voraciously after the show, um, yep. looking for content because I was producing twenty hours along with my colleague, uh, my two, always always women for some reason. Oh, and then a bloke. Lovely, yeah, lovely. I, I still talk to them. I don't talk to him. Um, I <laughs> tells tells a story of my life. Still talking to the ladies, not talking to the fella. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But, um, yeah. We did so, that last Wednesday, I think. We did. Right? Let's not go yeah. there. So, um, <laughs> I saw this news item. It said, um, the oldest single malt whiskey is being released, and it's reputedly going to be, when it goes on sale, because it, it wasn't offered for sale for a price. It was, there's a certain amount of it, and if you want, you had to bid. You had to bid for it, yeah. right? Right. Right. So my producer, I said, have you seen this? Let's do an item about it. See if you can get him on the phone, somebody from McAllen on the phone, to talk about it for five minutes. I went to the next right. day and my producer said, one of the McAllen family is going to come down from Scotland and he's going to co-host your show with you. Sorry, this isn't about cars, but it does relate to what we're going to talk about in a second. He's going to come down and co-host your show your show with you. I think people find this sort of thing interesting anyway. Um, <laughs> I hope, I hope so. Tell, boy, time will tell. And he said... <laughs> Mate, I've been at this for 33 years. If it's you know, anyway, so he's nearly as long as old, old as this whiskey. He said, "There we go." She said, 
he's coming down to Manchester. He's going to co-host your show with you, and he's going to teach you how to appreciate fine whiskey. He's going to run you through right. the whole thing over the course of yeah. four hours. So we yeah. did a competition, and one of my listeners, we had an unprecedented... I mean, we had, like, meet Metallica, meet Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. We had all these amazing prizes. We had a prize, honestly, go to Vegas, free Mustang convertible to drive around in while you're there, all this, all this stuff. We had competitions like that on my radio show. This competition, yeah. come in and spend four hours with somebody from McAllen drinking fine whiskey. We had the biggest response ever. guy called Mark, I'm still quite friendly with, came in. He won the competition. And David, right. uh, David arrived, and we went through the whole, like, three and a half hours of the show. We got to the last half hour, and I said, and it was great, because he was, he was actually saying what you need to do and what you need to be looking for in a whiskey. It was very interesting. Yeah. And then I said to him, well, there's been all this publicity about the 75-year-old. And he said, yes, my grandfather put it down 75 years ago. And some of the other whiskey houses, or some of the other distilleries have had similar ambitions. But they've never been able to be able to resist cashing in at 30, 40, 50 years. Nobody's gone 75. We've got 75. Sure. He said, it's just gone on sale. And it's worked out at £15,000 a bottle. And most of it's gone, wow. to, most of it's gone to Japan which, of course, yeah, is the cool. home they of... They love it over there. They yeah. love it there, don't they? So I said, yeah. well, you know, I said, OK. I said, so, um, I said, have you drunk any? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. of course. He said, and I'm going to have some more right now, and got a oh. bottle and put it on the table. And he poured He poured it. I was going to say a gill. It was more than a gill, my friend, for the three yeah. of us. Yeah. And we drank it, and people said to me, was it just like ordinary whiskey? And I said, right, that's what you might think, wouldn't it? You might think, well, you can probably tell the difference between 20 quid whiskey and 40 quid whiskey, and between 40 yeah. quid whiskey and 200 quid whiskey. But mm. past that, can you tell? And I said, here's the thing. Yes, you can. It was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. I have never tasted anything like it. Wow. Mate, it was like ingesting smoke. It wasn't even like liquid. It was really? amazing. Fifteen thousand pounds a bottle. Bloody hell! <laughs> well, that stuff that we drank, you know, that we drank the other evening. Great. Bearing in mind, I mean, it was bloody good, wasn't it? It was. And here's my point: you like could, these you cars. Could, about cars. So then you said to me, "Guess what? I've just bought a Porsche Cayenne S." I said, "Wow!" Yeah. We went down to the garage where you live, and there was your recently acquired Maserati, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But there was your other car. A very, very well-preserved, beautiful condition, Porsche Cayenne S. How old is it, mate? About 10 years old, 11 years old, something no, like that? No, what are you talking about? It's it's uh, 2003, so it's 19 years old. Good Lord. It's in great it's condition. Four and a half litre V8. So you're, four and a half litre V8, right, okay. Yeah, and it means that, and, it, and it's still, thankfully, because I live in the ULEZ zone, so it's still, thankfully, past his emissions, so I don't have to pay, you know, the... £12.50 or whatever it is a day to drive the thing up and down the King's Road. And so you said to me, how much, Barry, do you think? Everybody yeah. calls me by my second name. I don't know. I didn't even go to public school, unlike you boys. And somebody <laughs> said to me, um, just a grammar school, a typical pushy northern grammar school boy, like so <laughs> so many that have elbowed their way to the forefront of British life. Always wanting to know how much, how much, how, how much, much, how much. Show me the money, show me the money. And I looked at this fantastic car, a lot of car, and said, I don't know, mate, Seven, eight, maybe. You you told me you had bought that car for? £2,003, the same as the year of the car, on eBay, about four months ago. And you have done a little bit of work to it, but no, well, no great it, I expense. Said, I, yeah, I, I mean, I went... I, when I, do you want me to tell you how I came about buying it? Or I certainly do, the, yeah. Yeah, well, I've been looking... You know, I've got a dog uh, who you met last week, and uh, I didn't want to be driving around either in my purple corny hold on the maserati hold on you said i've got a dog what you should have said was i've got a superstar dog and uh, well I, where, he is a superstar you're right well he you, ca you, you can't walk down the street well i walked down I, the street with you and we just got every single person virtually every single person stopped <laughs> i know and wanted a picture <laughs> or they wanted they wanted to pet him which the free thing is is a bit like us two we look like we might want to be petted, but we don't really, and we might, no. and we might bite, which bite. is like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I thought I need to buy myself a Timbo car, and I was looking at Porsche Cayenne for about three or four months, and I was, like you kind of said, looking to spend between about seven and ten grand for kind of like a sub hundred thousand mile car, and I was kind of toying between the 
4.5 turbo, although just a four and a half litre. And I even looked at the three litre petrol because I thought, look, I'm not going far on this thing. It's just going to be for, you know, riding around locally in London. Um, and I've been looking, looking, looking. There's always been problems with the cars. I've been looking at whether it's the body work, whether it was the mechanics, it needed work or whatever. And I just went onto eBay one evening and this car popped up that had about 17 minutes to go on an auction. And I looked at the price and it said £1,800. And I was like, that can't be right. So I quickly scanned the text of the eBay listing and, you know, looked at the pictures. And it said, you know, clean, straight body, good interior, full service history, serviced and MOT'd. And then I looked at the photos and tried to see if there were scratches or dings or marks or whatever. And it all looked very clean. I looked inside. It was black leather interior, which is what I wanted because I got the dog. I didn't want cream or anything like that, which would mark. And I wear jeans a lot, and that marks cream leather anyway. So I looked at it, and it had. And at this point, there was about seven minutes left. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to bid 2003 because that's the year of the car. And I'm going to wait till about six or seven seconds until the auction opens and finishes. And I'm going to put my bid in at that point so that no one can react if they're waiting for it to go up. So I did. And when I hit the, the, the bid thing, it then refreshed and said, congratulations, you've won the item. I mean, I literally couldn't believe it. £2,003. So let's just run people through the specification of that vehicle. So it's what? Is it a 4-litre or 4.5-litre V8 petrol? No, but it's, a, it's a Cayenne S, so it's the 4.5 V8 Tiptronic. You know, it has, I think standard comes with 340 horsepower. And it was, you know, when I, you know, it's, it's in a kind of a silvery blue metallic. It's got black leather interior, ice-cold air conditioning. It had four Pirelli tyres. The only thing that wasn't decent on the car was that the wheels were quite scrappy. So I spent 250 quid on the wheels to get them refurbed to new. And then I also spent about another 300 quid putting a Bluetooth device in so I could stream my music and answer my phone without touching, blah, blah, blah. So the whole car now owes me two six. And I've just had it serviced today as well. Cause, and, it, and it MOT'd. It cost me for full service and an MOT, 235 quid. Right, I'll tell you mine. I, two weeks ago, I was in Preston yeah. at a place where um, they old classic car auctions. Not your, not your sort. Mind you, the last one they had a they had a few Ferraris in, but um, yeah. it's generally sort of and nothing wrong with this at all. The guy that does it is a mate of mine. The guy that that holds the auctions, he he came into it from enthusiasm rather than business, right. okay, which is good. which. Well, is it is it, mate? Because it's like. Um, his main business is kind of heavy plant machinery and agricultural machinery. He's out on the sort of market garden area of Lancashire where they grow all cabbages and stuff like that, or the flatlands. And, right. um, but he loves cars. And so he got into the classic car thing rather than thinking, oh, I can make pots of money because yeah. he likes cars. You know what I mean? Right. I, I have to yeah. wonder, I think, oh, is that a good way to come in? But he's cracky bloke, and, you know, and I, and did you say this? Is, he, he does auctions, or he has a he has a warehouse. No, he he does these. He started to do these auctions. So he got right. a car, and he didn't think it was suitable for the auction. And it wasn't yeah. it wasn't meant by any stretch of the imagination. Viet Mercedes two door coupe. Yeah. Uh, no, was it convertible? Convertible. No coupe. Two door coupe. Black black leather. Yeah. yeah. Reasonable miles. Good order, nice wheels, decent tyres, 10 months MLT on it. What, what year, though? What year? What, what year it was about, it was a early 2000s. Right, OK. So and what I looked, is that, a CE of some sort, or something like that? Or I think a CL500. I did, I did. Oh, the CL, oh, the CL500, like the one I saw, like the one I gave to Max. Yeah, a mutual friend of ours was smoking about in a CL500 for a while. And he's done quite a, he's done a lot of driving in some very exotic cars on racetracks all over the world. And did you did you have a passenger with him in that car? You must have. I mean, I, I don't like passengering with him because he... Uh, he's not. You know, he's, I mean, he's a very, very good driver, but he pushes <laughs> it to the limit. And he knows the roads up there. And I know he knows the roads up there because he grew up up there. But I'm more worried about who's coming the other way. And he doesn't seem to think anyone is ever coming the other way. And I'm very nervous about that kind of driving. So he'd be driving along, driving along in one of these V8 Mercedes Coupes, early 2000s. Yeah. And, and he'd be going, can you believe how good this car is, Steve Berry? Can you believe how good it is, Steve Berry? And I'd be thinking, it's really good, and he can really extract 
uh, the performance from it. And the, the thing yeah. is, he, he doesn't turn off all the sort of driver aids. I, I've noticed that when you get in, and don't know about you, but when you get in with somebody who's really good, they don't yeah. turn the driver aids off. They use they utilise them. They yes, they yeah, but, yeah. they know the ABS is chiming in, and they know when it's chiming in, and they also know when the traction control's coming in. It's the same with 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 new bikes now. And me and a lot we, we were talking about this the other day. Me and my peers were all talking. Not peers, not the no, you probably know loads of people called peers. Actually, so do I. But <laughs> anyway, boy, I don't mean. Easy. I don't, it's true though, isn't it? Um, it's true. I, right, I know four Ruperts. How the hell did the uh, lad? From, yes, are they all friends of mine? Uh, <laughs> probably. You probably all you probably all related to each other. You went to the not the same school. You probably played each other at the Eaton Wall game or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, I know, I know, so. Yeah, really good drivers. Let's just make that point before we get back to how cheap this Mercedes was. Really good yeah. drivers utilise the traction control, the stability control. It's just another driver aid to them. It's almost like pace notes. It enables them to go into corners quicker because yeah. they're thinking, the car will tell me when it wants to stop this nonsense. And yeah. so I'll keep going to just before that and we'll make yeah. some very rapid progress. Yeah. So as we're walking past the car, he said to me, my pal had a strong Lancashire accent, which I shan't attempt to imitate, because people think <laughs> I've got a Lancashire accent. I said, come to Lancashire. Yeah. I'll show you some people who you'd barely be able to understand what they're saying. I know that, right, I know some people say that about me, but anyway, he said, uh, bit of you, that, isn't it, Steve Berry? As we walked past, and I thought, I've had a, I had a few, I love the SEC back in the day. I had... Yeah, I had a 560, too. I had two 500s, I had a 4... I love those cars, those big pillarless coupes. Yeah, yeah, I love them. Uh, Bruno Sacchi, designer, always the best... Oh, the, the most beautiful German cars, there's, there's no secret. BMW E34, uh, the same era 7 Series, uh, the Mercedes 300 W124... Uh, the A50, mate, was my favourite. Italian designers... The Germans yeah. are clever. They're like, we, we are really good at making the car, but when it comes to the styling, we are poor. We do not yeah. know how to make <laughs> them look so pretty. Get, yeah, an, get an Italian. So Bruno, exactly. Bruno Sacchi was head of design at Mercedes for 25 years when they made what I call a handsome car, not necessarily a good-looking car like a Maserati or a Ferrari or an Aston Martin. But in that era, Mercedes made some very handsome, well-balanced car. You look at an 8, like you said, an 8-series BMW. You look at Mercedes 126, the two-door, the pillarless coupe. Incredibly yeah. well-balanced car. Yeah. So I as agree. we walk past this, this car, he said, he said, a bit of you, that, isn't it? I said, I said no. I said, I he said, you can have it for a bag of sand. A thousand, really? A th really? A thousand pounds. Nobody wow. wanted it. No. No, mate. Why? Why? Because I'm getting rid of things. Okay. And we're going to move on to what we're going to move on to. Here's, here's the thing. He said to me, he was trying to, I said, we both laughed. And he said, he's got an RS6 out. He's got all sorts of stuff. He's, he's, yeah. into, he's into lighter, more performance-oriented cars, whereas I think I'm a bit like you. I want a, I want a, I want a fast car, but I want a comfortable seat, and I want air yeah. con, and I, want, I don't ever want to get... Right, so... Like you, I've had on-the-road cars that were completely unsuitable as road cars. So, so yeah. ask me what was the least suitable car that I've had on the road. What, what was the least suitable car you had on the road? I went to Southport, which you're familiar yeah. with, on the west coast of the yeah. north of England, a popular seaside resort. And I but bought from the bloke who ran the service department at the Ford dealership. A Lancia Delta Integrale hill climb oh, car. Oh, but we love that, mate. We love that car. But, 16 valve? No, it was an early car, but it was heavy, so an eight valve, yeah. Heavily modified, much bigger turbo, all sorts of stuff on it. It was a hill climb championship winning car, but wow. he he'd been in the local press and all this sort of stuff because he'd won this championship. And his bosses yeah. at the Ford dealership had said, "This looks really bad. There's a smashed up ST in the back." You can have that, and you can race, build it, and race it next season with our name down the side. So he was selling yeah, yeah. this, and I thought I'll buy that car and I'll run it as a road car. It'll be hilarious. And yeah. people used to get in it, and of course it was caged, it was stripped, caged, internal fire extinguishers, you know, yeah. all that sort of, sort of stuff. Yeah. Five point harnesses, 
You know, yeah. <laughs> like all that sort of stuff. And some people will be thinking, wow, great. Right, well, yeah, for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that, Mick. People used to get in and there were packets of um, air defenders on the dashboard. Yeah. And they'd wow. look at yeah. them and I'd go, I'm advising it. I'm putting them yeah, in. Yeah, I'm telling you, you need to put these on. It was so loud. In, it was, we called it Satan's Biscuit Tin. Right? <laughs> it was like, it was, I, it was white, which was unsuitable. So yeah. at the time, my brother-in-law worked at the bus garage. And uh, the same bus garage, right, let's talk about going off at tangents, I'm the king of it, I know, but this is interesting. The same bus garage where the head of engineering at Chevron worked in his day job. The guy yeah. who ran the workshop at Chevron Race Cars, famous, internationally famous, ass-kicking race cars built in Bolton, Lancashire, he never gave up his day job, and his day job was running the bus garage... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> in Manchester, fixing all the double-deckers. Wow. And I got that Lancia painted there. And What colour? What colour? Black. It was. We called it Satan's Biscuit. We could have either done it fire red or I had it painted yeah. black. And yeah. then, right, so here's, here's a cautionary tale. Here's a cautionary tale, Matt. So I'm at a charity auction. We've all been there, haven't we? And everybody's yeah, getting very excited. And, and maybe slightly refreshed with the liquid alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. And the bloke, I was doing the auction, as I often am. Yeah. yeah. With my uh, reputation for uh, witty reporting. Also, the, <laughs> well, the other reputation I have is rattling through it, which is because if yeah. people ask me to do it, I say, right, I've sat through so many interminable auctions at car events yeah. where yeah, everybody's yeah. looking at the floor or off into the distance while some idiot just drags it out for seemingly forever. When I do these auctions, I go, right, what have I got here? Two weeks in a villa in, in Puerto, whatever it is. Right, what am I yeah, bid? How much? Let's start yeah. at two grand. Who'll give me two grand? And I honestly yeah. will go, right, who are the richest people in the room? You two. Yeah. You're worth north of 50 million, according to the Sunday Times. Right, you start the bidding. And I will do that. I've had people come up to me afterwards and go, I can't believe how rude you are. And I said, <laughs> but, but they're so relieved because they said, it only took 10 minutes instead of an yeah. hour. So yeah. I'm doing this auction, and the guy said to me, can you think of a prize? And I was doing a track day in that Lancia at Alton Park, and I said, right, okay, yeah. here's a prize. Somebody can come to that track day and me, and they can have a go in, they can have a go in my Lancia around Alton Park. And it fetched, yeah. like, a few thousand. It was great. Some, oh, wow. Some, some wealthy northern guy bought it for his son, who was, like, 19. Yeah. Broke it, didn't he? <laughs> I was going to say, did he bin it or something? Of course he broke it. No, he changed yeah. down from fifth to second... Second, yeah, 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 there we go. Well, Bro he's got no clue, has he? Broke no it clue. and broke it and span off into the gravel. And but, he was. But interestingly, Steve, bring this all round to why my car was mentioned on TV last night. Well, because we were talking about the subject of of what we were talking about was the cost of motoring is contributing to what they're calling a cost of living crisis. And my right. point was this, and I don't know if you agree with me. Let's find out if you do. My point was this. Stop concentrating on how much fuel costs. Think of the total cost of motoring. Write every single cost down. Write down depreciation if it's a newish car. Not that we have to worry yeah. about that. No, write, down, write down how much you pay in insurance. How much do you pay in VED, vehicle excise duty or road taxes, it should still be called. Write exactly. every, here's the thing. If you park the car every day, write down how much that costs. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to come into London, I, a few years ago, I found myself in the strange position of living in London and working in Manchester, which is yeah. probably not the wrong way around for you. Well, it's kind of the wrong way around, but I had a lease on my yeah. place in London. Anyway, so yeah. when I came back to London at the weekend, I would drive to what I knew to be the last free parking space in London, which used to be outside Barclays Bank in Hampstead Garden suburb. The last wow. completely free... I worked it out. I went round the streets... Yeah. And I drove up and down, up and down. I found that and I thought, right, this is the last completely free, unmetered, unenforced parking space. I used to go down there, park outside that Barclays Bank, get my Brompton folding bicycle out of the boot and fly down to Islington. It'd take me about like 10 minutes. Yeah, perfect. Coming back, I used to quite often fold the damn thing up and put it on the bus because that's a hell of a climb <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah, on a, on a bike, we a few times a day on the tiny little folding bike wheels. But my point was this: 
you've got to be clever. You've got to work the system. And one way of working yeah. the system right now is that, and this is, some people, normal, when I say normal people, I don't mean normal people, I mean people who aren't nearly as interested in cars as we are, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't think this makes any sense. But we know it does. I would say, look at the price of big, aging, but not quite classic luxurious cars porsche bmw yeah. audi jaguar jaguar yeah. mercedes look at the mercedes, cost of those yeah. cars maybe an old lexus an ls460 yeah. or something like look at the cost of those cars those cars which would have sold for what mate 15 20 years ago 50 60 70 80 thousand pounds yeah, yeah, yeah for sure you can buy them for one thousand two thousand three thousand pounds you can have yeah. a car that 15 20 years ago you would have been paying not five times as much, not ten times as much, up to 20 times as much for the purchase oh, yeah. price. Yeah, and absolutely. they work. People are going to think, yeah. oh, yeah, has it got no engine? No, no, no. People, to a lot of people, these things are just a millstone. They've been on the internet, they've been on that site that says that they'll buy any car, and guess what? They don't yeah. want to buy that big five-litre uh, four-door booted Mercedes E-Class off you. They don't want to buy them. No. Or they offer you £360 or something, and you're absolutely appalled. The yeah, time absolutely. the time to buy one of those, and people were saying to me, yeah, but is it an investment? And I said, no, I'm going to swear. I said, bollocks to the yeah. investment. Mate, what yeah. are you talking about? Live your life, yeah. just buy it. Buy yeah, the damn exactly. thing. You know, yeah, exactly. buy it and, yeah. ju- and just, you know, and use it. That's well, what I mean, I look do. At this, well you, you've ridden in that Cayenne of mine. Wasn't it comfortable? It was smooth, wasn't it? It was aircon, ice cold. It looks good. It drives well. And as I said, I've just had a full service in an MOT. It cost me 235 quid. Big deal. Absolutely. Is, is there another one? Well, I suppose, right, so that comes on to the, to the next part of this conversation, which, which was um, one that chaps like us often, <laughs> often... We're so sad, aren't we? It's pathetic, really, yeah. but... We've been there and we've done it, and we were saying, how many cars is the perfect number of cars? And I think we came to the conclusion, and I know this is going to horrify a lot of people, that it might be two. Yeah, I know. We're two. Well, I mean, as long as they're two different types of cars. Oh, yeah, there's no point having... I mean, like, you need a... So, I've done this before, and we've said, oh, you need five, because you need, like, an old classic... You yeah. need like a competition car, a track day car. You need a cruiser. You need you need you need a van. I I've always up until recently I've always been in the opinion that a man should have a van, and I've had a van, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I kept looking. I kept driving past my van parked on the street and thinking, I've got so much stuff in the back of that van. You know, like those people <laughs> who say. No tools are kept in this van. I'm thinking all this. Yeah. There's three bicycles. There's three bicycles. A lot of tools. Because I just started using it as like an ante room, like a utility yeah. room. Yeah. And and I what the I drove it recently and I got in it and the clutch pedal had seized because I hadn't used. Oh. I had to. Well, I had to. I had to oil the pedal and all that. And I thought it's time to get rid of this thing. And then I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? If I need a van, I'm going to do that thing that my mates do. I'm going to borrow one because the number. Well, yeah, yeah, borrow one. Oh, mate, what's the worst you have to do? You just rent one for a day for thirty quid. Big exactly. Deal. Or you rent you one know, for you thirty know, when I, quid. I think we might have we might have spoken about this before, but there was a point back probably ten years ago when I did have five cars. Okay, so at the time my daily was a nine twenty eight S Porsche, which I use daily. Um, then I had. An Aston Martin AMV8, like a 74, you know, that kind of that style of uh, Aston Martin Vantage looking thing. I had a DB7 Vantage. I had a Ferrari 550 Marinello. And then I had my purple, you know, Lamborghini Diablo, which I loved. And the thing was, I drove, at the time I kept all the cars in Chelsea, but I lived out in Weybridge. I drove the 928, you know, all the time because I love 928s. I probably had 20 of them. Great cars. And again, great value at the time. I was buying them for like two, three, four grand. Now they're 20, but, you know, those days are long gone. But it was a great, reliable car. But every time I went down to my garage in Chelsea and I had the choice of those four cars, 99.9% of the time I wanted to drive the Diablo because that was my favorite. And those other cars were, you know, surplus to requirement. I didn't want to drive them. So in the end, I just got rid and just had the two cars that I wanted, which was the 928 and the Diablo. And I'm in a position in a similar kind of situation now where I've got the car, the Porsche Cayenne, which I use daily with the doggy. And then I've got another silly car, which we haven't talked about yet. Well, we'll talk about that one in a minute because it's quite a thing. But, um, 
I wouldn't. I would about you. I think the same. I'll find out. Um, yep. Instead of just assuming that you and I think similarly on everything, I'm sure there are many things on which were uh, uh, daggers drawn. But on this one, I would say you've got to have done that thing where you're juggling seven, eight, nine cars, and you you, you start to get into a a thing where you have to have a whiteboard in you, in your office, and it's got all the MOT dates and all the insurance yeah, yeah, renewals yeah. and all that sort of. Because otherwise, you end up getting fines left, right, and centre. You you get a letter through, you think, oh, what's this? And it says you've been fined or you've got, and you think, oh, God, I can't. Do I, yeah. Does that one need taxing? Oh. So you, you're you like, it's almost as if you're running a business. You're running like a little... Well, I mean, but you know, mate, there's an app for all of this now. I mean, we won't mention the name, but there's an app that does exactly that now, and someone has figured out that that's what we all need with people who have lots of cars. And this app does it, tells you about your MOT, tells you about your insurance when it runs out, tells you which charges you need to pay when you visit different cities and different locations in the U.K., and, you know, you plug in your registration and, it, and you have your auto pay and it just does it all for you. But if you before all of this, it would have been impossible to do that kind of thing. As you say, you literally need a secretary to kind of keep on top of all of this rubbish. I think, um, yeah, I think I think two. <laughs> yeah, two is two is good. I mean, I've currently got three, but I'm getting rid of one, as you know. So And motorbikes, um, you know, you, you obviously then you well, with folk like me and. As we said, our mutual friend, Max, we motorbikes as well. So, you know, yeah. and then people have said to me, how many bikes have you got? So that's a long conversation. Seven. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it and I am trying to sell. But I did discover something recently by trying to sell two different vehicles. One was a van. Yeah. So I sold a van. We mentioned that. And I yeah. sold um, a small car that I bought for my daughter to use. And then she decided she wanted a better car and she got a better job, so she bought a better car. And this car that I got for her, which is a little Japanese run-around, five-door, postman pat-type, like a bread, yeah. bread bin on wheels, but with yeah. ph- phenomenal fuel economy, very low mileage, all that sort of stuff, you know. But, I mean, you've also you've gone to the very extreme measure of also exporting one of your cars as well, though, haven't you, recently, mm-hmm. to have less to do over here? Yeah, but um, the Alpha, yeah, we, t- we took that over to Canada. But the thing is, I sold the van, and I put the van up for sale, and a nice guy called Mick contacted me and said, oh, yeah, is it, is it this, is it that? Right, I want to come and see it. So he came around yeah. and saw it. He said, right, I want it. Can I come and get it tomorrow? I said, yeah. yeah. We quibbled yeah. on the price, or not 50 quid off or whatever, which I was yeah. happy to do anyway. He, he came around the next day with his dad. He gave me the money, he left. No problem. Love that. I love the, that. The car... I must have had 40 or 50 nonsensical messages from people who seem to have absolutely no idea how to speak to someone in a polite polite and civil way. I've had people saying, will you take £200 for cash? And when they put cash... They always change the S in cash to a pound sign. Yeah, the dollar sign or something. Or a dollar sign. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm thinking, well... If, and I've, I've sent some people the quotes from those people who will pick up a scrap car on the street. You just enter the registration number on their website, and all that yeah. ever happens is that they pick it up, they credit the money to your account, you give them the V5, and that's it. That's yeah. all you have to do. You don't have to do anything yeah. except that. They yeah. were offering me 370 quid for this car, and people were yeah. messaging me saying, will you take £200? So I was just sending him a link to that quote and saying, yeah, of course, I'll mess about and I'll do this and I'll do that and then I'll take 200 quid instead of just giving it to the scrap man with no hassle, no trouble, no nothing to do and just getting nearly twice as much as you're offering me. The, yeah. With the van, that didn't happen. It was just, I think it's a completely different buyer. It was just, it was all men who got in touch with me about the van, I'll be honest. It was all men. Yeah. And they, it was, you know, people saying, how much, mate? Can I come and see it? Yeah. None of the people that were offering money for the car wanted to come and see it, which I do not understand. I don't understand. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's just weird, isn't it? But, I mean, I guess, the, I mean, a van guy is a different guy to a car guy, though, isn't he, really? And totally different. Guy, and it, and yeah. selling a motorbike... Now, that is that is completely different. I had a Jawa. Are you familiar with the Checkmate Jawa motorcycle? I am, I am indeed, yeah. 
Because you were a biking man back in the day, weren't you? You were a 6500. Was. was it a 6500 or a turbo? Or a... I had, my first bike I had when I was at university in America, after I got rid of my Alpha Spider, was a CX500 turbo. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, they like... I seem to remember those. I, I rode one a couple of times. Wouldn't they, like, come on boost halfway around a long corner? Oh, mate, it was, they were so <laughs> dangerous. So they had kind of had... You know, you'd literally crack open the throttle if you saw a gap in the traffic, and nothing, 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 then bang, it just accelerated just out of nowhere. And, you know, the gap had closed at that point. You're up the back of a lorry. It's a really scary thing to drive. And it was pretty heavy as well. That was the other thing. Um, but they were great-looking bikes. But oh, yeah. the boost was so delayed. It was so delayed. And, you know, I, I never drove the GPZ 750 Turbo, which is the other bike of the era. But I think that probably was a little bit better on the boost side of things. But still, crazy, crazy animals. A pal of mine who knows more about Japanese motorcycles than I think. Oh, I know a lot of people who know a lot about Japanese motorcycles, but the breadth of his knowledge when it comes to them, I think, would be pretty much unmatched of, of anybody that I know. Yeah. That was his dream bike when he couldn't afford it when they were new. I'd really? saw yeah. fairly... well, the Honda or the, ja- or the Kawasaki? The Kawasaki, the GPZ yeah. uh, 750, 750 Turbo. Yeah, yeah. So he got that one. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but he said, and? what a disappointment. Never meet your heroes. Oh, no. Well, never meet your heroes unless they're Barry Sheen. I met Barry Sheen a couple of times. And he was fan- yeah. he was fantastic. So, was that with our was that with our mutual friends from London? It wasn't. Luke. It wasn't actually. I mean, it could have been, but it was. Yeah. Um, it was when he was still working as a commentator and a, an interviewer and stuff like that. And so was I. Yeah. And yeah. A, a couple of big motorbike, in fact, MotoGP. You know, he was he was there and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. It was obviously, you know, obviously when he was still with us. I mean, he died. He died ridiculously young. But the thing about it is, you often find that people say, particularly now, a lot of people will say, "Oh, yeah, these races now, you know, they're not like the races back in the day. They were real men and all this sort of stuff." And you think, "Shut up!" You know, it's, yeah, know. <laughs> they're the same sort of people. They're the same sort of people. If you put, if you put this generation, you know, if you put George Russell in a room with if he was still with us, people that I've known, racers that I've known, Jeff Duke, the bike racer, John Surtees, the only man to win the world's uh, premier series both. in motorcycles yeah, and cars. Yeah. Never got the credit that he deserved for it. Yeah, uh, Mario Andretti. People that I've met like that, you put them in a room, every generation, those men are cut from the same cloth. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. You have to be there, otherwise you can't be a winner like you that. You can't can do you? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do it otherwise. And, and the nicest people... You will meet in this life TT racers. In well, Mont- you in know Mont- that more than I do. Well, they are because yeah. they have a certain sort of beatific calm about them. You know what I mean? They're right. sort of yeah. the, the universe doesn't trouble them, and it's the no. things that ordinary people get upset about don't upset them. And if I thought, you've got the uh, the the uh, the cojones to do that race. You uh, really must be someone who's really in very much control of your emotions. Yeah, everything else in life is just so yeah. what you know. If you if yeah. you can survive the thirty six point seven miles of the mountain course, then everything else that comes your way, you know, they're the most happy go lucky. Joey Dunlop, Ian Hutchinson, John McGuinness, Peter Hickman. Now the the, the preeminent TT racers, a very similar demeanour, just kind yeah. of calm and like not bothered by what's you know and got time for everybody and all you know just that sort of thing and you think wow whereas the yeah. guys the guys the short track races are different and i think it's because you can get away well i think i think it's because you can get away with a lot more on a short track you know as right. i as i know only too well i've i've come off it, you know you come off at, i mean i remember i came off at cadwell park off of, right so a guy comes past me on Cadwell Park, I'm on a bike, he's on a bike, it's a bike day. Yeah. He comes past me, and I thought, that guy used to hold the lap record here. Mark really? Phil- Mark Phillips, known for obvious oh. reasons as the captain, yeah, 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 yeah. even though yeah, it yeah. wasn't him, but he was called Mark Phillips, the captain. I thought, Mark Phillips used to hold the lap record at Cadwell. I'll follow him. In my head, I thought, I'll follow him. Pick up a few yeah. tips. Stayed, yeah. stayed with him for oh, lapping a bit. Came to the fastest corner, Charlie's, woof, straight off. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was I doing? Yeah. Woke up in the, and I was sliding along. And I remember I was talking to James Whittam, who's now a 
very respected commentator and back in the day was World Superbike Ducati. Yeah, I remember. British I Superbike. Yeah, yeah, no, I know who you mean. Cracking guy. Cracking guy. I knew yeah. he'd be a... He always had the gift of the gab when he was a racer. When he was a racer, he was a really good interviewer. I always used to seek him down for an interview because he was, he was funny, he was witty, he was, ed, you know, he was yeah. edu- educated. Yeah. His father was a, a, a master of a private school i think he was he wasn't like your average bike racer and it didn't surprise no, sure, I get me it. I get it didn't it. surprise yeah. me when he became a commentator anyway i was talking to him about crashing and he said yeah you've got to remember to flip to turn over when you're sliding it's i said what do you mean he said well when you're going along fast he said you can wear yeah. th- wear through your leathers so you've got to flip yourself over and i thought what on earth is he talking about i didn't say it at the time when no. i came off that time at cadwell i was probably going about 110 when yeah. it all started to go badly wrong. So I started sliding down the track and I thought, oh, I'm getting really hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, James Whitham said, flip yourself over. So I thought, how would you do that? So I just pushed down with my hand. By God, it's easy. Yeah. When you're flying, all you have to do is push down with it, with your foot and your hand and you'd straight over. So I'm going along, right. I'm going that and then going along on my back, on the back protector, which is a, a lot more, a lot easier. And I thought, yeah. Blimey, I've done it. And then I thought, <laughs> and then I thought, oh, this side's getting hot now. I better flip back yeah. over. <laughs> you know, like when you're doing a steak on the barbecue. It was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. that. When I got you up, flip it over. You when, flip it over. When I got up, my leathers were sh- and the helmet that I was wearing, I believe, ended up in the Arai Museum because I, I, I called Arai helmets, and at the time, he used to they didn't used to pay me anything. Give, give me a free helmet to it from. Beyond, sure. the, beyond the telly. I called him and said, oh, can we have the old helmet? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. Because he said, we have a look at them to see what the damage and all that sort of stuff. It's like yeah, sort of free yeah, testing. Yeah. And they said, and can you write a letter? And I said, yeah. And they said, when we do this, we always get a letter and yours is the funniest because your letter says, dear R.I., thank you for letting me still have a face. Because, yeah. <laughs> because the chin very piece... Good, very good, the, very good. The chin piece was so worn down, but it wow. was just about intact it had just yeah, about wow. held together and i thought yeah yeah maybe yeah. that would have been my face and you realize sort of you know the the old days of sort of wearing the jet helmet or the pudding base and i'm always wary of that when it's like a historic event yeah and they say oh can you dress up in there's, a, there's an event every year called the distinguished gentleman's ride and they say to people i know i know though yeah yeah and, and pe- mr malcolm Klub tells me about that one yeah people wear like pudding base and helmets and all that and i think no, they're all, and people go, don't they look good? I go, yeah, as long as you don't mind your face getting like... Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> that, exactly that. we got to talk uh, about Mitch, your sorry, Maserati. Sorry to interrupt you, Mitch, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just getting a little bit tight on time, just to let you know, I've got to, I've got to get going by about, in about 15 minutes max. Right, okay, no worries. So that, that'll be absolutely fine. Um, can we talk about your blue car? We can talk about my blue car that I've recently purchased, yes, we can. How do you even find out about a car like that was it advertised for sale generally or was it was it something that you no, had, you it, had it to be in the know no it, it had been yeah it'd been bought into this country by a well-known classic car dealership uh who kind of sat on it for a while well they had it for about a year a year and a half i believe um and um they then basically Another dealer who I know very well uh, had a Dino Ferrari, a 246 Dino GTS, that this other dealer who had my car um, had a client for. Um, and he didn't want to do a deal with the dealer because he wanted to, I think he obviously wanted to make his own margin. So he basically did a deal where he gave my car uh, for this 246 GTS. And that's how that my guy came across the car. But before he took it, he kind of knew that I liked weird and wonderful cars. And he said to me, would you be interested in this car if I do do a deal on it? And I was like, yes, please, I would be very interested. And then, uh, and then that's how it kind of all began to really come about. What is it? What is it? It is uh, a 1975 Maserati Camzin, but it's not a, it, you wouldn't recognize it as a 1975 Maserati Camzin. It was actually originally built for the Sultan of Brunei. And I have all the kind of Maserati classic paperwork telling me all that and all the details and the build sheet of the car. Um, but as you well know, uh, the Sultan has a lot of cars in his, uh, in his garage and he normally doesn't leave them alone. So it's been, how should we say, fiddled with quite a lot. Um, and the body is really completely different. He spent fortunes having a, you know, it wasn't five cars. He had a completely different metal, you know, body put on it. So it's very flared now. It's got a much more muscly looking 
uh, rear arches and front arches. The front end has now got deep front spoiler. The rear end, which was kind of the Maserati's kind of party trick, which was like the floating rear lights in the glass, a bit like the Alfa Montreal, because the car was designed by the same guy, our friend Mr. Bertone. Um, that's all been changed now. It looks more like a Lancia Stratos at the rear with a flared lip on the boot. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a phenomenal bit of kit. And, uh, well, it's the only one in the world. It is. It, I mean, what do people think it is when they see it at first? Do they, do they, do well, they think I it's... Mean, it's because it is... No a, one, no well, I was going to say... what it is when they see it. I well, mean, I was going to say... I've had it two months, and I've had to spend quite a lot of money getting it, kind of because it's been sitting around for such a long time. It wasn't running great when I got it. The electrics are pretty poor. It, you know, windows weren't working, lights weren't working, indicators weren't working. So I've had to spend a lot of time kind of slowly bringing it back to life. But, you know, when I have had it out, well, you know, you know me personally, I've had a lot of cars. I've had a lot of very interesting cars. But, you know, I've never been stopped more and had more compliments on a car than I have with this. I was having lunch uh, in Sloan Square about three weeks ago and I had the car parked outside. And one of the waiters came to me and said, there's a gentleman who'd like to speak to you. Can I bring him to your table? And I said, well, what's it about? He said, well, he just, he just wants to speak to you. And this guy came to me, who was probably in his 60s, an American gentleman. And he said, I saw your car outside and I've had to ask who the car belongs to. He said, I've never seen a more beautiful car in my life. And I'm actually got an S50 at the moment, which I'm actually modifying. And I have to say that I'm just, I wish I'd, ha I wish I'd been able to buy this car because... As much as I love my F50, I've never seen anything more beautiful than the car that you own. <laughs> I'd just like to shake your hand and say congratulations. So it, it just generates an incredible amount of interest wherever I go. And even yesterday, when I was back at the mechanics in uh, Shepherd's Bush, just getting checking, I, I've got it's got two fans by the radiator, and I've had to have one of the fans rebuilt. When I pulled up outside, this guy came running out from a, uh, an estate agent, and he said, Hi, is that car for sale? I've never seen a more beautiful car ever. And I said, no, no, it's not for sale. He said, well, I probably wouldn't be able to afford it anyway. And I said, well, it's not for sale, so it doesn't really matter. But it just gets only positive reactions. You know, when I've had Lambos or Ferraris or whatever else I've had, you obviously get a bit of a mix of, you know, the kind of, you know, Flash, you know, Harry, you know. But with this, I can honestly say with my hand on my heart, I have nothing but nice comments i have little children waving you know mummy mummy look at that car mummy mummy look at that car <laughs> and, you know or this guy's just stopping and just pointing and just waving and just only happy happy you know reactions for it so it's a it's a very happy ownership at the moment i mean i'm still doing lots to it you know i'm getting the carpet retrimmed next month and you know bits and bobs but fortunately the bodywork is is very very nice as you saw um and since you last saw it i've had a new exhaust system made for it because it was rather muted when i got it but now it's it sounds like a kind of a, a power boat now it's oh like yeah a cigarette. it sounds absolutely fantastic didn't it have an amg exhaust on it which we Say of course again? didn't it have an amg exhaust system fitted to uh, it? yeah i got rid of that it was very strange yeah it had amg uh but i i got rid of that because it just looked strange um so it's uh it's got the same kind of shape tailpipes because they obviously had to fit the body they've obviously designed that around that the bodywork was designed around the exhaust or vice versa, one of the two. So I've had to kind of keep the same shape. Um, but it was very muted. So I've, you know, had to cut the boxes off and get new pipes bent and made up and everything. And now it sounds completely different. Sounds like <laughs> it looks, which is, makes me very happy. Here's the thing about a car like that. As a one-off, how do you ascribe a value to it? I suppose it's well, very difficult very very difficult i mean if you take a kind of a a, a normal cams at the moment they're kind of valued between you know 150 to 200 something like that and then you just kind of you just go from there really i mean it's you you've got to find a guy who actually wants it but i mean you know i don't plan on selling that car certainly in the next five to ten years and you know it's one of those cars that well i can never replace it you know that's the thing i've had you know i've had lots of cars where i've bought them twice you know i've probably had 10 or 15 continental gts i've i've had at least 29 28s i've had probably half a dozen rolls royce shadows i've had four corniches you know you can replace those cars i did back in the 90s have a maserati camden when they were 15 grand not 150 grand but even at that point i couldn't really afford to run it because 
the running car, I, it, when I bought the car, it looked beautiful, but it started smoking really badly. Um, and it basically needed an engine rebuild. And that was a grander cylinder. And I just couldn't afford that at the time. And I ended up selling it at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And it was a car that I paid, I think, 15 grand for. And I ended up getting six for it. <laughs> you know, that was a real heartache. Um, so, you know, I've now got this car, which is literally a one-off. And, I, you know, I don't ever really want to sell it. Yeah, but with that other car... You, yeah. The funniest part of that story is what you then went out and bought because you'd taken such a hit on that car. Yeah, I mean, I'd never take, I mean, that was, you know, that was kind of everything I had at the time. And, you know, obviously, you know, I I think before the Maserati, I had Michael Winner's black 400i which with a sunroof, which was a great, which was quite a rare car. And I traded that plus some cash into this Maserati. So I'd been, you know, I was relatively young at the time. I was probably, I think at the time, probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and I'm cruising around Chelsea in this cool looking Maserati and then you know I suddenly gone from 15 grand to six and I was like well how am I going to look rich with six grand so I I kind of scarred the old uh, exchange and mark back in those days and managed to find myself a silver shadow two in Caribbean blue with dark blue leather for five grand and suddenly I looked okay again <laughs> <laughs> well this is it and now you're doing it again with that with that Cayenne S two thousand pounds worth of of Porsche Cayenne. Yeah. yeah. Most I mean, people... I mean, that Cayenne, I mean, obviously, I'm not. It's, I'm motivated by a completely different reason for having that car. It's not to look rich. It's just to be able to drive my dog around in. But the point was, what's the point for me? What I could go out and spend 20 grand on a... Or 25 grand on a, you know, not the current shape, but the shape before Range Rover, 30 grand, something like that. What does it do better than a two grand Cayenne? It's not 10 times as, as good. In fact, it does absolutely nothing better. You've been in that Cayenne. Yeah. It's, it does everything I need to do to, you know, to get from A to B in comfort, in style, why would I spend, you know, another, you know, 10 times amount to be driving around in a Range Rover or something similar? It just makes no sense. It goes back to the cost of, of, you know, the cost of running a car that we discussed, you know, 20 minutes ago. It doesn't make any sense at all. That's it for another episode of Steve's Speed Shop. Social media doesn't let us tell you about it. You need to spread the word about Speed Shop. Tell people how good it is, how entertaining it is, and how fantastic I am. See you back here next Wednesday.